welcome to Raise the Standard. We're getting things done by lifting Christ above every area of life. My name is Andrew, and I'm an incoming MDiv student at Westminster Theological Seminary. And my name is Bailey. I'm an MDiv student at Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary and a pastor in the central Georgia area. Cool. How's it going, man? (laughs) Uh, Doing pretty great. Uh, It's been been nice being up here in Philly, just enjoying the the very humid uh, weather that's basically identical to Georgia. So. It's humid up there too. Oh, it's so bad. It's I thought so bad. Milledgeville had the uh, the market cornered on that man. I thought we had every droplet of humidity we could steal from the rest of the world. Well, you're managing to share with us for some reason. So, <laughs> well, just send it on back. Uh, we'll trade you humidity for the winter if yeah. that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. Let me share with our audience what we got going on today. It's a little bit different than our usual walk through the wild. Uh, we don't have an elephant. We don't necessarily have a wolf. Um, there's always that line of encouragement, though. But what we're going to do today is kind of just come before you guys, kind of throw it back to some of our more casual conversations we had that led up to this podcast where we would just check in on one another, ask one another some questions about our weeks, our lives, how everything's going. Um, and the reason we're doing this is really just to, first and foremost, glorify God, obviously, in everything we do, um, but not as a, as a sort of header. That's legitimately why we breathe. Um, and the best way we kind of thought we could do that for ourselves and just the stages of life we're in, and for you guys to show you we are human. There's not anything really significant about us at all <laughs> when like <laughs> I feel like we're some of the most least significant people um, you could lump together uh, but very true just want you guys to be able to see that um, yeah so that's what we're doing today Andrew you have any thoughts on that yeah uh, the Bible says that God chooses the weak to shame the strong and uh, he'll, he'll probably come through on that at some point <laughs> I'd, I'd say it is. It would just, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. We just may not be able to see it. I mean, we're we're always so. Yeah, I won't go down the rabbit trail, but yeah, we yeah. can. We should only ever. It was be, a joke. I, oh my gosh. Uh, gosh, man, we're we're weak, is what we're saying, and we yep. would like to revel in that with you guys today. Um, so we'll be doing that just by way of asking each other a couple of questions, maybe share uh, with one another what we're learning this week, um, mm-hmm. and try to bring that to a personal level for all you guys and try to hopefully encourage you guys to go off and do the same. So yeah, I, I can start it. You can start it if you want either way. Uh, just as far as like what you're learning and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. What you got? Ah, for me, it is it's the biggest thing right now, just in that personal devotion. Um, specifically, not so much in family worship. Um, that's a whole other ball game right now just as what we're having to learn uh mm-hmm. <laughs> for um a new phase of life coming up but yeah personally what i'm learning is how to enjoy god i feel like that is something i used to shirk away from out of feeling like i wasn't worthy to enjoy god if that makes sense. I'd share this thought with you and, and my wife. As somebody who kind of goes to bat with depression here and there, it's easy to feel uh, unworthy and take what is true and being unworthy and apply that to myself mm-hmm. and, and see myself as some sort of stowaway in Christ. 
so knowing knowing where I sit with Christ, knowing where I am before the Lord by the work of Christ, nevertheless, though, feeling like a stowaway who's going to be presented at the last moment of the last day as like a, as a, you know, uh, Jesus is lining up his disciples, presenting them before the father. And when the gavel slams, he's like, Oh, and Bailey. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I used to stay away from this topic because of that, but man, seeing everything that's been going on, especially having to pastor through it, getting to pastor through it, really both those have to and getting to, um, I have had to, for the sake of the home, um, for the sake of, you know, supporting the other elders in this way, re-examine what it means to enjoy God. And it's shown a lot. It's shown a lot to the effect of, um, ministry can become something that is just another profession. So it's something that's viewed to be perfected, not something you get to be a part of. And then all of a sudden, um, Jesus no longer becomes your savior or the one you need, but the one who is um, maybe lording over you, not necessarily, you know, just ruling over you, cracking that whip, so to speak, just piling on busy work. And so it really revealed a lot in my uh, mind about how I wasn't, you know, enjoying God. And I was a whole lot more comfortable getting after different things, working on different projects this podcast being one of them, the blog being one of them, um, different personal pet projects. I was a whole lot more comfortable being on my feet, uh, per se, than I was being on my knees before God. Hmm. Um, but man, that, like, that just leads to such burnout. Like, especially when you observe the state of the American church today, at least, um, and how they're engaging on different issues that everyone's everyone's talking about everyone seems to have an opinion and very few seem to want to adhere to the biblical model to be slow to speak and listen first and foremost to god what he has already said about different things so that can be discouraging so long long end of it is really just having to relearn um in a new phase of life getting ready for the next one what it means to enjoy god in purpose and in practice, I think, has been the biggest lesson uh, for the past couple of weeks, even even the month, really. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. What about you? A- anything life-changing? <laughs> uh, you mentioned the family worship thing a couple weeks ago, and even you just mentioning that in passing, I was like, oh, man, I got to... I got to get on that because we've been married for over two years and we're still getting our, our wits about us as far as that stuff goes. Cause, um, well, I should say I'm getting my wits about me as far as it goes. Cause, uh, you know, you got to lead your family in that way. So we try to do a song and pray and read a short text and talk about it. And it takes five minutes and you know, you, uh, you move on and it's not, it's not a matter of like covering up and you know, feeling, uh, feeling like you just have to like blow past it just to check the box. But at the same time, it's a way to start getting some forward momentum as a family, because, um, you know, as people who feel the call to ministry and you are, you are installed in the ministry, um, you're currently an officer in the church of Christ. And, uh, 
I feel called to that as well. I mean, we're, we're called to have organized households. And that's not only true, like, in terms of our, our budget, but also of our, uh, you know, spiritual budget, so to speak, uh, and how we, uh, how, like, how we're growing together as a family um, in the faith, in sanctification. And so it's like outworking that justification. So that's like one practical thing. I've been reading a bunch of books, too, because it's been an off week for our uh, our writing and daily yeah. podcast content thing. Yeah, what are what are some of those things you've been reading? Uh, well, aside let's, from let's let's break it down this way. What's been the favorite thing you've been reading, just for enjoyment's sake, and what's been the maybe most enlightening thing you've been reading? A lot Ooh. of times, that's that's different for me. I have to have one or the other. Oh man, well for me it's the same thing. It's a book by Michael Bull, who is an Australian gent. And it's a book called the Bi- Australian Genius. Oh yeah, it's called the Bible Matrix. I'm Bible so Matrix. sorry if, if we have any listeners who are Australian or uh, listening in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> They're all in Central Georgia. They're like, "What did he say?" <laughs> um, so he has a thing called the Bible Matrix, and it's basically a it is a book explaining how to understand the narrative structure of the Bible. And he uses the seven-day creation, well, six-day creation, and the seven feasts that are established in Exodus or Leviticus as a lens to view, like, all of the Bible stories. And not only all of them individually, but how they relate to each other. And then ultimately how they form, like, the, like, you know, the meta structure of Scripture and also of, like, life. So... It's really interesting. Um, there's a seven. I mean, he, he talks about a seven-step cycle that just sort of, it's it's there on the macro scale, and it's also there on the micro scale. So you can use it to understand individual verses, uh, which which he has a lot of interesting blog posts about. Um, yeah. That sounds great. That sounds like something really beneficial, especially right now, not to, you know, go back to, I kind of can't avoid current cultural circumstance and climate and everything, but it sounds like something especially beneficial for the believer to have a tool that examines things on both levels, like the bird's eye view, worm's eye view, yep. and practically. Yep. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah, it's cool. It's Yeah, it's, it's really helpful. I feel like I can actually read Old Testament history and narrative and know actually better what's going on as far as how it relates to other stuff in the Bible and not just from like, oh, this is just more history. Like, oh, David's doing this cool but there's actually theological content to like what he's doing yeah um yeah no that makes sense especially like you're saying um we actually just got through judges and th- we finished man i, I didn't oh. tell you we finished it's done <laughs> it's done nice. dude it took it took about a year kyle uh Dang. one of the other pastors up here broke it down and we had uh i think north of man i'm totally gonna butcher it but i think we had north of 40 sermons and it i think it ran right up to a year i think it was 360 days or something like that but but we finished um so that's just i it makes me think it's so so beneficial um this is kind of an aside i guess but it's also something something i have been learning over the course of that past year is why it's so important to read the old testament Mm -hmm. um so important to read the old testament because you know, Jesus himself quotes it a lot. 
so there's that and and that's in the new testament so yeah. uh, it's you know by way anyway without getting yeah. into that uh there's recent articles coming out um yeah you speaking of reading things <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah what <laughs> the, just the, the oh art, the the articles the from uh, uh the <laughs> yeah different there's, I'll there's say stuff this. that's we we may discuss this uh, another episode um but just to stay on the surface and skim it with you guys uh tim keller wrote a, a, re- a recent article and i'm only referencing it as way to to cite how important it is to be self-aware of really where the church has come from um and god's role in that and so one of his closing statements in the article um, regarding the Old Testament theme is this. He says, finally, the storyline of the whole Bible is God's repeated identification with the wretched, powerless, and marginalized. Specifically in the Old Testament, he says the central story of the Old Testament is liberation of slaves from captivity. And so anyway, what I've been learning and in enjoying God and having just got through a chunk of that story of the Old Testament with the Israelites and judges, mm-hmm. you know, the ones who ended up being slaves time and time again, um, is understanding and enjoying God is seeing him for who he is. So it's not just that the Israelites stumbled their way into slavery. It's actually something they chose. You know, they, they oppressed themselves. They nominated their own Kings that turned out to be slave drivers. Yeah. And that was God who made that happen to, di- you know, discipline his children, have ra- wrath on, the unrighteous it's not it's not it wasn't a power imbalance it wasn't something that happened where there wasn't equity um there's never equity i think this is a a thought i've had when enjoying god in a lot of current circumstance is there's there's equity on a common grace level and that we all breathe the same air rain falls on all of us but when it comes to equity eternal equity there's never equity between the church and the world the church is always the chosen one by God the Father, the world is always dead. Yeah. You know, apart from God. Yeah. So that's twofold, though. I mean, it makes me enjoy God as God the Father and not as somebody who I have to, you know, knock and then sneak my way into, hmm. you know, Dad's study. Yeah. It's It's like, no, on equity on those terms, you know, there is, we're a chosen race, a royal, a royal priesthood. Um, so anyway... Again, we may circle back, address that at some point, but yeah. Uh, on top of that, I've been reading a, a classic, if you will, uh, The Bruised Read by Richard Sibbs. It's part of the Puritan paperback series mm-hmm. that Banner Banner of Truth does, and it, it's just great. Uh, what it's, it's helped in that process of understanding, I mean, exactly what that is, to be a bruised read before God. Um, from one of the men who did it so well. Um, so I'll read, sort of if you're curious about it, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a uh, little bit on the back about it. He says, I shall never cease to be grateful to Richard Sibbs, who was balm to my soul at a period in my life when I was overworked and badly overtired, and therefore subject in an unusual manner to the onslaught of the devil. I found at that time that Richard Sibbs who was known in London in the early 17th century as the heavenly Dr. Sibs, was an unfailing remedy. The bruised reed, quietened, soothed, comforted, encouraged, and healed me. So, 
I, it's had much of the same effect for me. It was, it's a nice read to take a break from, you know, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones book himself, Preaching Preachers, a more academic work. Take a break from seminary reading and read uh, something that, as he just outlined, it really kind of speaks to the soul, the heart of the matter. Um, it also helps me get ready. We're doing a series on Sunday evenings in the fall um, called Practically Pursuing Christ, Lessons from the Puritans. Hmm. So I'm getting a, getting a head start on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, was Sibs the guy, was he a country pastor or was he like... I feel in, like all of them were back then. They didn't well, have yeah, they, <laughs> they got run out of town. But... Uh, I think that's about right. If I can remember right, yeah. uh, Dr. Beaky, you know, like spearheaded that Puritan yeah. documentary, um, which everyone should go check out. It's just a nerd out. It's so great, man. It, highlight, it highlights all these guys. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I think, uh, yeah, a, a buddy of mine, another friend of mine is studying Puritans right now, and he'll send me a blurb every now and then. And it's just so helpful. Uh, one of the... I don't know. One of the most profound things that I think has come across my mind from outside scripture and stuff has been uh, we serve a precise God. And, like, he demands precision, but it's not a, like, burdensome precision. It's a, Mm. it's a, it's like, you know, it's not just like technical logic chopping. It's like looking at a diamond from every facet. Uh, It's like precise in that way. Yeah. No, that's really good. Um, kind of makes me think of this. This question, um, what's one of the more, I mean, we just reflected on kind of the, you know, the biggest thing we're getting to learn recently, um, you know, what we've been reading. But just to kind of peel the, peel the curtain back for some of our listeners, um, what is, and you asked me the same question, what's the what's the frustrating lesson being learned for you right now? If oh, that man. makes sense. I, I'm, I'm sure there's a multi, I have, I have plenty, but like it, so for our listeners, what I mean by that is, you know, there's lessons we learn, the things that we go looking for about God. And obviously we, we know what we're doing when we do that. We want to, we want to be convicted. We'll go to judges. <laughs> we want to, you know, be encouraged. We'll go to the Psalms. We want uh, something logical, practical. We'll go to Proverbs, right? But the lessons that are learned for us are the ones we don't know about till uh, they're on us. So if you, if you want to kick us off at that, what's what's the biggest or smallest sneaky lesson being learned for you? Um, I think that this this is a sword that cuts in both directions, just like all truth does, but it's, you reap what you sow. Mm. And that's like, you know, God has made the world such that that's the case. And, uh, for me, I'm just thinking about like going into seminary and that being a sowing thing where it's like, it's what I'm gear I've been gearing up for, for a while, but it's also a reaping process. So it's like, um, you know, what, what are the seed or, I mixed them up. It's a reaping process because <laughs> uh, that's what I've been gearing up for the last couple of years. But it's also a sowing process yeah. because, um, you know, what are the what are the priorities and stuff that I want to have uh, and that I'm setting up for in the future uh, in terms of not only, like, hard skills and stuff, but in terms of, like, wisdom and um, just the heart for ministry. So I feel like... Um, through different 
conversations and stuff that is going on with people at church and everything. Um, it's just like a, I'm, I'm looking at my life and I'm like, whoa, you, you reap what you sow. And that that's a big responsibility. It means you better you better be diligent with your sowing and you'd better uh, keep an eye on that sort of thing. So I think that informs the family worship. It informs the thinking through seminary stuff and, and getting into that. It informs why I'm reading so much. Uh, I'm, I'm reading a handful of books on like government from a biblical perspective right now. Um, it's like the things that you are setting up for affect things downstream. Like what you're doing now is a seed. And that seed is going to take root and have branches and fruit one day. So that can be daunting. It can be uh, a blessing. But either way, I feel like that's kind of what I'm what I'm facing right now, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. I'll, I'll answer the same a little bit. But just to maybe give some of our young bucks who may be listening, who maybe want to end up in seminary and are thinking through what you're saying. Um, it's easy to look ahead and, and see that, like you're saying, it's kind of a both hand reaping and sowing, but maybe looking back, cause you've, I mean, you've led, um, ever since I've known you back, you know, back then, and then got reconnected now, mm-hmm. you've always led, uh, you know, a hardworking and intentional mode of life, you know, working a job, um, even if it's to make ends meet, making sure you provide, and now like uprooting, jumping to Philly, that's not something you know most people do. Um, not saying you're a prime example by any means. I know you. I know you better than that. <laughs> but you know, for some, you might be. So maybe looking back to that relationship of reaping and sowing, um, where you are now, what are some of those things you can recall having sowed back then? and are reaping now. I know you referenced it a little bit, but maybe if giving some specifics to, to some of the folks who may be listening. Oh, man. Well, uh, I think there's a lot there. A lot of it has to do with my relationship with Rachel, my wife. Um, I knew that I wanted to marry her pretty early on, like freshman year of college. But, you know, we we got married a couple years later than that <laughs> and I, I wish that we, we, we could have gotten married sooner and some of those things are specifically my fault one thing I mean it's funny you mentioned that I'm like a hard-working and intentional person that's certainly not always been the case <laughs> um, I kind of crashed and burned sophomore year which gets a lot of people but um, yeah I think I got kind of overwhelmed and discouraged about school and had to uh, just had to repent in a lot of ways, but also receive the comfort and the assurance that like, you know, um, you live in God's world and that means you got to do stuff. You can't just, you can't just do the regular college thing, especially at a state university. Like there's already, the the content is already so low quality (laughs) and that can be discouraging, but I don't know. I think for me, it was just like realizing that my decisions are under like it's my little field of land that's put in front of me right now so i have to like make the most of it um so just deciding to get married to rachel and all that that entails we were dating and uh we broke up for a little bit and when we got back together i was like we're the condition of us getting together is that we're going to 
like get married one day and if that's a problem then that's fine just move on like uh, so that was setting a clear boundary um, one thing that is the case for a lot of people is um, like well that's that's a weird way of putting it I haven't watched porn since middle school and even then I wasn't like entrapped in it uh, I felt so guilty that I just like cut it out so um, I think that particular snare is something that just afflicts everybody uh, and that's, that's just because of the world that we live in it's on Netflix it's on HBO it's everywhere it's in your friend's favorite show and you feel lame for not being able to talk about the show when your friend talks about it so there's just like this pressure in this uh, you know dimension of like participating in a pornographied society you, you got to cut it out like if you're a Christian you already know not to mix uh, the truth with a lie theologically so don't miss don't don't mix like the beauty of biblical marriage with the lie of pornography just just cut it out and again I don't that, that's like the goal I know there's like uh, things that need to be set up in people's lives there's like a process that has to happen but the goal is to cut it out so heavily recommend that because it'll it'll kill your work ethic like nothing else yeah I mean looking thanks for sharing all that starting us off in that um, it's much the same for me I mean I crashed the same year sophomore year of college um, and oh, were you ta- were you referencing sophomore year of college sophomore year of high school college. I, cr- I, I think I crashed in both <laughs> <laughs> both to be quite honest <laughs> no um, yeah man it was the same thing sophomore year in college um, and it's the same lesson I, I'm, I'm relearning now or I guess that's being learned for me since I asked it that way is not to be so uh, self-centered in mm. thought and I mean, it's one of those it's a it's a pisser to be honest like because mm-hmm. it it's one that keeps coming back and if you if you're like relearning it now like I am um, you can look back and see it's just it's the same lesson you're having to be taught just with different circumstances and it's it seems to have gotten better practically like I've moved on from being just a stupid simple you know college student <laughs> who was you know leading a facade over here that got found out over there and now I'm on the other side of all that and like you said I'm getting to pastor a, a wonderful church alongside wonderful men and elders get to serve a wonderful wife who's you know bearing caring bearing I don't know our, our soon-to-be kid um, and anyway all these things there's so many avenues to be selfless and in a lot of ways I am in action but not so much in thought yep. and like it's one of the most frustrating things to look at a schedule and see the majority of it devoted to other people but even the thought process behind that still come out maybe selfish so like what I mean by that is uh, doing things with ulterior motives is very unchristian. And so like back what? then, uh, so like an example, um, doing the doing the laundry this day so I can just lay down later, right? Or doing the laundry at a certain point in time so I can just lay down 
um, you know, and not work at another point. Or yeah. like for another example, like uh, doing the dishes so I don't have to cook. Or So just ulterior motives and it's a selfless action, but it's made selfish by the mind and heart behind it. And that's one of those things um, if you, if we can trace like everything back to its root, it is selfishness. Yeah. So those moments where we, you know, prefer self, we prefer sin to God and his glory it's selfishness. When we, um, don't talk about God to other people, um, even in our own lives, it's selfishness, it's for comfort, it's for comfort's yeah. sake, all these things. Um, but it's, it's one that I'm, I'm it's just having to be relearned and prayerfully, um, and thankfully it's not as severe i should say it's still sin it's still something that taints it affects practically day-to-day life but it's not something that's so severe that it's a crash and burn type thing you know it's it's something i think and that's a gracious thing because i was talking to some folks about this the other day is looking at j.i packer like you know who just passed on to glory a couple weekends ago looking at the mode of life he lived for so long and how faithful that was knowing he still struggled with sin, right? Because he was still a human. Um, Now he doesn't have to. But, you know, what makes guys like that, guys like Sibs, um, seem like they struggle less, if that makes sense? What makes it seem like they fight better, like the little sins that can sneak up and, and nick at our heels? And I think it's a selfless perspective. I think that's at the root of it. I think Washer does a great job. Paul Washer does a great job talking about this. Like we would do well to think less of ourselves, not just in substance, but in capacity. Like just (laughs) don't think about yourself so much. And it's something I got into practice. And it's funny, you can look back and see those opportunities where you really could have, you know, blossomed into something (laughs) and it it just didn't happen. And you can't even recall why it didn't happen, you know? But it's something like, I heard him say that kind of early on last year, but started to put it to practice and just didn't, uh, didn't keep it up. So that's, yeah, that's the biggest thing, man. It's just like he says, not thinking less of myself to the point of self-loathing. Just, I don't need to think about myself that much. You know what I mean? None of us really do. I mean, take a moment to self-assess. What sin is it you're not confessing? what sin is it you're not repenting of, then confess and repent of it, you're covered, you know, yeah. by the blood of Christ. You don't have to think, are you broken? Kind of, you know, <laughs> you're your redeemed child. You still fight sin. Are you fighting sin? Yes, no. Uh, it boils down to s- some very objective points, but it can get uh, it can get a little hazy in between. Yeah. Yeah, I think the uh, what you mentioned earlier, just like doing something in order to get sort of that trade-off, like, I don't know, doing the dishes so you don't have to cook dinner. I think selfishness really fixates on stuff like that because it's like, I'll do this for you if you do it for me. And it's just a little zero-sum trade-off that it really is self-centered. Like, this wouldn't be worth my time if I weren't getting something out of it. Yeah. So I feel like that's like a – I think that's a really helpful thing to point out because – we just yeah. think that way. We do. And the, it gets it gets spiritual really quick. Yeah. Like it really does. And we'll start doing, like you said, zero-sum trade-offs with God, or thinking we are anyway, really fast. Right. And it'll, it'll turn into, well, 
I'm not going to get into the Word this morning because I've got to get up and eat a full breakfast for the big day I have ahead so that I might be able to point somebody to God. You know what I mean? Or uh, I'm not going to, or like the opposite's true of, well, I just don't have time to go to that first class. I really need to spend an extra hour in prayer. You you know what I mean? Like if, and I want to be, you know, cautious. Like there may be those situations where that spiritual need does outweigh school. And if listeners, you're listening, it always does. Like spirit, spiritual things always outweigh (laughs) secular school. Um, (laughs) But you know, there's that thing. We're still called to do everything with excellence. Um, So yeah, man, I think it's important for for everyone to understand. Like, like you were saying, it kind of goes hand in hand, really which is great. It's a, a gift of God, but yeah, we have to be careful about the seeds we're spreading because, I mean, we'll reap them one day and we have to be careful that if they're selfish, I mean, Scripture speaks to those things that we'll reap if we just constantly sow seeds for ourselves, and it's it's not a peaceable lifestyle. So, yeah. That's very true. I think about, like, how a lot of times in like oh how do i say this like big evangelical twitter this this plays out not in terms of like the trade off you do this for me i'll do it for you can't really speak to that but when it comes to like talking about important matters there's almost this like zero sum mentality where you try to like kind of play to both sides and not rock the boat in order to I don't know, in order to preserve a public witness or something like that. And that's just, I don't know, it's selling the birthright for soup. So, yeah, everyone needs to watch out for it. Yeah. And like the the sword that cuts both ways, it's also remembering like as as Christians, we have to be setting the the modeled example of temperance and boldness, you know, like being well tempered and not like you said, being being specific on how to say this. Where there's a cause to be bold, we should absolutely be bold, but we should always be temperate. Yeah. You know, and I feel like a lot of times, and myself included, I used to be terrible at this. It was a lot of what helped bring me on my face, you know, back then, sophomore year, mm-hmm. is there really shouldn't be, like, a John Wayne type of Christian. Like, nobody's, nobody's an outlaw, really, um, yeah. And if they are like, that's a, that's a tough spot to be in because sometimes uh, like it's, it's different when there's a brother or sister who's in the midst of like, say a, a land like Utah or trying to be really faithful in a, in a huge metro area like New York or Atlanta. And it can feel like they might be on a functional Island. You know, there's not a like-minded brother around them. There's not anything like that, but we can still look, you know, to the examples found in scripture, namely our savior we can, like we're talking right now from Central Georgia to Philadelphia, we can call, yeah. you know, brothers and sisters. Anyway, point being, yeah, we got to be bold uh, and remember that we do that, you know, as a body. Um, there, there's one hero in Christianity, and, you know, and it's not us. <laughs> so, <It's> very true. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I think to go ahead and start bringing it to a close here, we just... Again, I want to reiterate how important something like this is. I know it's been a blessing for me. Um, take the time to reach out to a brother or sister in Christ. It, 
gives both of you the opportunity to be obedient, whether it be in you confessing and them applying the gospel in your life. Um, and ultimately, it's just true Christian fellowship. And it's something that's terribly important right now. Yeah. So. Very true. You reap what you sow, whether you like it or not. <laughs> exactly. And make sure it's not selfish. Yeah. So, and that, Andrew and I, as always, send you out with this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Let's get to work, guys. Thank you for listening in.